0: Hello, and welcome to The Grand Thunk, the podcast in which we, Alex Blanchard and Rhiannon Kearns, discuss what we've been reading, watching, and listening to!
1: (laughs) I thought that you might get (laughs) I don't know if the listeners can tell, but Alex is trying not to giggle throughout the whole of that, so when you didn't say anything, I thought, she's lost it, she's lost it, she's corpse, I'll give her some time. But I realised I was meant to fill the gap.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which like we've never done before, so I'm not surprised you didn't. Oh, (laughs) God. I say we've been listening to you (laughs) say a fairly simple (laughs) promise. Yay.
1: We have transcripts in our link tree on our Instagram bio at thegrandthunk. You can message us there or email us thegrandthunk at gmail.com. So for the last time, this series, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell all all your friends. We've officially lost
0: it. We've lost it. I think it's because we're recording an hour
1: later. It's like the witching hour. Yeah, and I've not eaten, and I've been on a train all day, and this is going to be a lot. (laughs) Where have you been on a train to? Oh, I've been in Bristol today, which has been delightful. Bristol's That's quite where we, away from you. Oh my God, it was the longest train. So I was going to, i was a work thing and I yeah. looked at the train first and it was like three hours 40 with like three changes. So I was like, not worth it. I'll drive. Mm-hmm. Then I looked at the drive and it was like three and a half hours. So I was oh. like, well, if I'm <laughs> spending the same amount of time, I'll definitely get the train so I can just sit there. Uh-huh. And like... I hadn't really thought about this. I've obviously been out and about, and when I was still living in London, I was using the tubes and stuff post, like, first lockdown. Mm. But I haven't done a long train commute like that, or a long journey, probably since pre-pandemic. And... I got mm. to Bristol and I was like, Jess, I, I totally had that thing where people talk about, oh, I'm released back into society. I don't know how to like behave, what the social norms. And I was like, yeah, is that really a thing? Like, it's just a good line. And I, I had that on the train. I just have <laughs> lost yeah. my boundaries. I was sat opposite this really lovely couple. And I was just, well, first of all, I've lost the ability to concentrate and not just listen to other people's conversations. I think I already did that a lot. I do love to listen in and like just fill in the blanks about their lives and build a little picture in my head, Uh, but I was massively doing it. Like I was meant to be doing some work or reading or something and i just couldn't concentrate i was just staring at the page because i was just fascinated by their really mundane normal conversation and like at one point he said t- to her like oh i'm thinking about getting a new bike because they've got a cycle to work scheme at work going on at the moment and i literally had to op- i had to like put my hand to my mouth to stop myself from saying oh interesting yeah my husband's just bought a new bike on the cycle to work scheme and i was like that's <laughs> not even an interesting anecdote that's not even like you can strike up a, a conversation with a (laughs) stranger on a train but not for something as ridiculous as that and I just had the urge and I kept having the urge to just talk to people that For no reason, like, do you know what I mean? Do you think that's just countryside life, though? I don't know what it is, because then uh, there was a woman sat next to me at one point and she was on the phone and she started talking about, like, her job and it became obvious through my listening that I was like, oh, we work in quite a similar field. And she got off the phone and I just really wanted to tell her, like, oh, I've got a similar job to you. And, like, what would that have achieved? She's been like, great, thanks for listening to my conversation. Like, it was just... It was really weird because I guess... It felt like I was doing all those those filterings for the first time, if that makes sense. Like I guess usually you have that all the time and then you just filter out. But because I've not had that for a while, it felt really dramatic. Like all these thoughts were like, go and talk to that
0: person. And it's really weird. I reckon that's just countryside life though, because that's the main transition for me of coming down here is that like people want to talk to you and you don't just get ignored. Yeah. And <laughs> that's really strange. Like this morning, I went for a run and then I was like, oh, I'll just pop into co-op on my way back and like, pick up some yogurt or something. <laughs> obviously I'd literally literally just finished running the second I stopped outside co-op so I was you know beetroot and like (laughs) there are rivers running down my face and then this old lady (laughs) dropped her stick so I picked it up and she gave me this look and you know you're like oh god I like I feel like I understand how the death eaters might have felt when like (laughs) Harry Potter looked at them (laughs) because I was just she was so aghast at my condition (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and you know you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that like in London you'd do that and someone would just just totally ignore you. They'd just blank you. They'd be like, okay, mm. you're like running in sweat. I'm going to just pretend this has never happened.
1: Yeah, um, it takes
0: a lot to shock someone, doesn't it, in Yeah, London. you, you it, it's like yeah, you, the, you're anonymous all the time and then the, the weirder you get, the more anonymous you become because like people are like, well, fucking hell, like, stay away from that person. They're so weird. If you wear like a hat in Dorset people are like, "Oh, that's a nice hat." <laughs> <laughs>
1: but
0: yeah i think that's a, that's a countryside thing isn't it that just people talk to people all the time yeah
1: maybe that's it i was just in a particularly chatty mood clearly and just had nowhere to channel it and uh, i also definitely was probably that weird person that people stayed away from in london because i just i i do love people watching and i do it on the tube and i i accidentally find myself staring at someone and they've made eye contact back and i've not realized yet and then i'm just staring at them like a nutter um so I had a couple of moments being like oh look away look <laughs> away um, yeah all in all my trains yesterday and today were great I've just it was nice being out and about mm. really novel things like oh I might get a coffee might do this like I know yeah. this isn't particularly new anymore people have been doing this again but for me I was like well, hey, <laughs> look at me go <laughs> And actually, yeah. given your little uh, Harry Potter Death Eater reference there, oh, yeah. that was one on top of my list of things to talk to you about today. I've got have Harry the Potter news to talk to oh you about. Oh my God, have you seen the news this week that Harry Potter are having a reunion for the 20th anniversary? The cast are coming back together for a special. Oh. Yes. are they a special what like special i think like a not documentary but like a kind of yeah a, it's called return to hogwarts and it's basically bringing Aww. back the main cast members to talk about the 20th anniversary and i guess like relive memories oh and talk God. about not it.
0: the 20th what 20th of the philosopher's stone since it began of the film
1: yeah oh wow and We're it comes so out old. i know <laughs> <laughs> it comes out on the 1st of january 2022 yeah on hbo max and i just don't know how to watch that that sounds american and expensive but we'll figure it out find a way yeah i think it's the first time that definitely the three of them emma watson rupert grint and daniel radcliffe have like yeah regrouped since all those interviews that were coming out when the last film was coming out and actually the list of all the other actors that are going to be there too is Wonderful. So I'm just, oh, so excited. I mean, I was very excited for the Friends reunion, but I think this will probably top it for me. Can't wait. Really? Okay. Well, I've got a a who to thunk Harry Potter
0: for you. Go on. (laughs) Purely by by chance. It just occurred to me. I can't remember why. But in Harry Potter, Lord Voldemort used to be Tom Marvolo Riddle, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that is an anagram of I am Lord Voldemort, i.e. Tom Mar- Marvolo Riddle is I am Lord M- Voldemort, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm just confirming. (laughs) Yeah, Um, no, it's good. I'm with you. But obviously, that only works in English-speaking countries. Oh. So pretty much every country has a different iteration of Tom's original name (gasps) and then has a slightly different iteration of I am Lord Voldemort. Um, And one of my favourite of these was the Latin version. (laughs) So in Latin, his name is Tom Musfox Ruddle, which is an, an- anagram of some ducks. Voldemort. <laughs> I am Voldemort, the leader. <laughs> I thought that was so wonderful. But there's so many
1: different versions. Oh, that's amazing! I've never thought about this before. So, which mm. bit do they keep accurate? Do they obviously always keep? i am lord voldemort co- as the correct translation and then they have to make something different mm. out of what that would be as his first name is that right
0: yeah so i guess like in italian it would be like i don't know son or lord voldemort or something and then they would have to take that and make that but keeping tom i guess they want to keep as much of tom and riddle as possible and then they like use the mi- spell muck around <laughs> with his middle name
1: yeah anything yeah. that is my name is or no i am yeah. whatever it was yeah
0: yeah, I don't know whether it's like Je suis or Je m'appelle or, you know, I don't know what, but <laughs> are to to make Je m'appelle Lord Voldemort into an anagram. Isn't Je like sweets. not Voldemort. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's much
1: epic. Excellent. I like that. That's a great who to thunk. How very topical that you didn't even know that reunion was happening. Very mm. delicious. Very topical. Self plug. You ready? Go on. Um, please do. <laughs>
0: On the 23rd, 24th and 25th of November... This month at 9pm on Channel 5, there's going to be a documentary, a live retelling of The Great Escape, which um, I worked on, must have been back in February of this year or something. Oh my God, that's
1: coming out. I remember you
0: doing this. (laughs) I know. Me trying to like edit the podcast
1: around really long working days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we are recording at really funny times and then you're sending Mm. me photos of like you in the set, like... (laughs) In lots of very small spaces. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. So it will come out tomorrow and the days after that. Woohoo! What a great week of telling you've all got. (laughs) I know. And if anyone has a TV that will show a live feed of that, then please can you message me so I can come around to your house and watch it?
1: <laughs> what, so you can't watch it?
0: Well, I'm trying to think. Can you, do you think you can watch a live, like, can you watch Channel 5 live on your computer with, if you don't have a TV license? Oh,
1: I always forget you don't have a TV license. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to just get you that for Christmas. Like, you need a TV license. <laughs> TV license. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Ask Santa Nicely for a TV licence and your problems will be solved. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you'd have to watch it on catch-up. Well, I'll watch it and then I'll review it and tell you how good it is. (laughs) Yeah, do. Go on. Um, But I also watched James Bond. Oh, what did you think? In a nutshell. Go.
0: So good. I feel like we can really dive into it in depth now because (laughs) the time for spoilers has passed.
1: (laughs) I Um, thought you were going to say... I. I thought you were literally going to be like, I think we can go into it in depth now because I've seen it. Enough of that like drivel that you were chatting (laughs) about last time. Now (laughs) I've watched it. Let's actually analyse this. Now
0: we've both watched it so we can commune about some things that we both know now. Okay, in a nutshell... I loved it actually. Good. No, I really enjoyed it. But it's the least James Bondy James Bond that I've seen. Like, he becomes a family man and he's all about like family values and really wholesome things instead of just like shagging women and drinking alcohol and shooting people. Yeah, his values are like so un James Bondy, which I'm not, no protesting there.
1: Um, who do you think is going to be the next James Bond? Um, I don't I think they'll do one for a while. I don't know. I think they'll do like backstory slash the daughter. And then yeah. reboot the whole thing in like ten years or like oh. six years or a long time.
0: Oh, do you reckon? Yeah. I was hoping for a collaboration between um, oh, I've forgotten her name. Is it Liana Lynch oh, and yeah. Anna Diamas. I just thought that that would be like such an. They make such yeah. an amazing duo of like James Bond. She's a very like straight character, and then you have Anna Diamas being all kind of like flirty and ingenue on the side. I just think that would make the best combination. I think
1: I would love it. Uh, yeah having said that you're right i think we were looking when i was talking to sam about the idea of like the daughter thing and wanting to have a female bond but actually mm. is the daughter the way to do it and actually i think the lashana lynch version well like root would be more interesting because she was mm. already so good in this film and like it set up yeah. so well with yeah. the kind of teasing of like she was 007 for a little while then she gave it back to him then they worked mm. together if she now became 007 it would kind of fit yeah but yeah interesting to see where it'll go oh i'm so glad you liked it as well because I obviously liked it not really having seen tons of Bond so if you have seen more Bond and you can sort of see how it fits in that big spectrum and still liked it then
0: well, yeah, I'm not totally sure. I didn't follow. I was quite confused about the whole like M storyline that he's like. What kind of recrimination system do they have? Where this guy has created the like most mass destructive weapon? He's created this this weapon of mass destruction essentially that then gets taken on by the bad guy, and they all just like give him a little slap on the wrist and go, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that." But we're not going to investigate you and find out whether or not you had some part in giving it to the evil guy or why you were. Doing Doing it. Do you know what I mean? I'm just, you know, and you're like, why is this guy still in charge when he's the one <laughs> that has created a massive problem that he was hiding from everyone and still is hiding from everyone? Why did everyone just take it at face value that he's like, oh, but I'm very British and good and therefore I must <laughs> still be a good guy? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about How that. How weird, yeah. right? And it really, like, shocked. And the whole thing, the whole film made me feel very like wobbly about these ideas of like belief and intention that that what if we've set our lives up around a very specific set of values and beliefs and then they turn out to be wrong like m has set up all these value systems about what he believes in and how he believes he's defending the country and so has bond and bond dies for them sorry spoiler Ah. um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what if what if that is wrong do you know what i mean like what if what if this concept of country or this concept of humanity is wrong and there's there's no reason sorry this is getting very existential but like there's there's no reason why any of the things that they've committed their lives to are necessarily right or wrong but like what if we have committed our lives when to, I don't know, reading and literacy and writing and, like, these things that are these that for me are those those are my like my that's my life force that's what i'm doing that's my purpose that's why i've been put on this earth is to read as much as possible and to write and to believe in words but like what if that's wrong what if all our belief systems are just these like faulty mechanisms based on a random set of preconceptions about what
1: what life is does that make sense yeah it i mean (laughs) it definitely makes sense and it's definitely a valid question i don't think i've got any answers for it (laughs) no i'm glad that james bond got you there that's impressive i guess
0: it's because he's always like he's always been very doctor who-y of in that sense of just like regenerating i yeah. don't know i don't know enough about the james bond whatever's but i did they actually kill off the other james bonds no so this is like the end of james bond james
1: bond yeah this is like literally yeah. hi- i really massively ironically when we were driving to see the film and I yeah. was trying to like get in some revision yeah. so it would make sense I said to Sam like how does it work when they change bonds do they just die and then you have a new one or like is it the doc- doc- doctor where they make mm. it a story that they're a new person or how does it work and he was like no it just sort of starts again and you just assume it's bond and there's not really a, like a shared history and there's no like you know they don't try and put a mask over the fact that it's a different mm. person they just embrace a new character and it's just how it's worked and like mm-hmm. and i was like oh so he couldn't die or anything <laughs> she was yeah. like no they just there's one thing that you can know is a fact about bond is he won't die and i was like in and then obviously yeah his world came crashing <laughs> down when uh yeah proved to be wrong
0: but yeah just strange when this character that you've seen as sort of immortal then dies and then just like brought into sharp relief
1: everything that he lived for i guess yeah what a big dilemma a moral dilemma a big thunk you've been left with a grand thunk you might say (laughs) what about you what have you been up to i have got a few little things to whet your appetite one of which i sort of briefly mentioned a week or so ago Mm. um and have since actually gone away and listened to it. I've listened to the wonderful Stanley Tucci on Elizabeth Day's How to Fail podcast, which I think I mentioned in passing because he's got this book out called Taste, Uh um, and he's promoing it all over the shop. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he went on her podcast and gave the most wonderful interview. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man, and I love so much about him. He's so, And in this episode, he's just at his absolute best, and Elizabeth is a wonderful interviewer, and he's so gorgeously complimentary of her and he talks about something that he's not spoken about before with her and really kind of gives her that honour and she's so touched by, you know, having created a space where he can do that and he's so, like admiring of her work mm. and it's just really wonderful to hear someone that you love harp on about someone they love to them it was just a lovely exchange because I thought you we could yeah. hear, hear how much Elizabeth Day was totally flabbergasted by his compliments and really touched and it was just also sincere mm. and gorgeous um he's just so funny and smart and humble and just a wonder um so in his interview he talks about two things one he talks about the fact that he's been living with um oral cancer for the oh, last wow. I think two three years which is particularly de- you know I think he's in remission and he's mm-hmm. in a good place but it's particularly devastating given his life so heavily revolves around the joy oh, yeah and the passion of food and eating and sharing around a table oh wow it just felt really like poetically harsh um you know cancer's going to be awful no matter how it what form it comes in but to really sort of go at your most beloved, (laughs) sacred part of your life. And he talks about, you know, I think he was on soft liquidized food for like 18 months Mm. and there's still, his taste is still massively altered and his experience of food is still so different. So he talks about that very openly. And then that kind of moves on to him talking about his first wife, that he lost to cancer um because i think i it came you know me talking about this episode came up previous weeks because i was referencing that he's married to emily blunt's sister Mm. which he is of more recent years um but yeah his first wife whom he had children with um passed away from cancer and i think i i mean i can't imagine being diagnosed with cancer when you've been a carer for your most loved one
0: Mm. and then
1: kind of getting it yourself and really knowing some of the awful ins and outs and the finality of and knowing how that must affect your children watching the Mm. the second parent go through something like that it's just so much to kind of quarrel with in your mind and your heart um Mm. and he talks about how he was caring for her and actually if you're familiar with the how to fail podcast elizabeth asks her guests in advance for three failures that they talk about And actually, one of the failure he brings um, is that he wasn't there when she died, his failure to be with her as she passed away. And I think it was because it was a bit of a choice for him. And he looks back on that with a a certain amount of kind of difficulty um, Mm. because he just knew that he wouldn't be able to be a father to their children if he was there when she died. It would send him to such a place of... You know, he didn't say anything specific, but you could tell he was alluding to the fact he wouldn't have been able to go on. And he couldn't have done that to his children. He couldn't have not been a father when they'd lost their mother. And so he kind of made the decision to emotionally distance himself, obviously not cut off. And she wasn't fully cognitive at that point, but he wasn't able to be there in the room with her. and, And he was just slightly distancing himself as he knew those days were coming. Um, mm. And he talks a lot about that, and it's just so moving the way he immortalizes her in in their house now, and in their lives, and with his his current wife and his children and their families, and how it's such a beautiful blend. Mm. And he talks about her in such a beautiful way, in a very present way. Um, but then that that thought of that as a failure is just really heart wrenching to hear. Um, but just mostly very beautiful and very moving. Yeah. It's so so tender, and I just think he's a oh he's such a wonderful man um so it's a really 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 great listen. and there's lots of uplifting joyful moments you know obviously they talk about the devil wears prada obviously they talk about you know mm. his amazing career and his love of food and the um cocktail making video that went viral during lockdown that sent him into these new <laughs> realms of fandom with people mm. um so there's so much to love about it but those two things were particularly just really stuck with me and just was so beautiful
0: yeah oh that's heartbreaking that's so. In- it's so interesting in a very base way how he straddles like this a uh, huge Hollywood stardom with then like very down to earth things like his podcast with Dolly Alderton and uh-huh. Elizabeth Day that he's kind of their celebrity on like a very on a much l- not lower but just like a very different much smaller yeah um, fan base. It's very niche to like books and women and. England I would say I mean this that's a massive massive generalisation but it's really interesting that he has this like these two worlds of like Meryl Streep and Hollywood and these huge blockbuster films and then
1: also (laughs) that's so true and he really does seem like the kind of I think of him as a very successful person almost rather than a Mm. famous person because he doesn't Have that. You're right. He's got that kind of everyday pedestrianism about him where he can slot into the Hollywood A-listers and also having a really honest chat on a fairly modest sized platform. I just think. Yeah not that we're talking about Elizabeth Day's podcast if it's, if it's not a massive deal but you know what I mean in terms of his Yeah, sphere, it is <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah I just get the impression that if you met him he'd be so charming and happy to give you his time it's just he seems wonderful mm. so on the topic of celebrities mm-hmm.
0: but skewing to, at a very different slant I listened to a podcast called um, The Shit Show I found it because of an Instagram account called The Shit I Care About I don't know whether you've seen that or not Instagram accounts yes yes I have seen Mm. that so I listened to their podcast for the first time and it was a podcast about Travis Scott and the huge tragedy that happened at Astroworld where Travis Scott was giving a show at this festival that he set up, and it's been known for a number of years that the festival has like a lax amount of security measures, and everything's a little bit messy in the setup of it. And at his performance, there was a huge surge, and a bunch of crowds broke down barriers, but the The numbers of tickets that were sold were already said to be too many. And there was a huge surge and um, people were, were getting trampled and eight people died, I believe. And a huge number of others are in, um, were injured and there are others in critical care. Oh and the controversy that's come out of it has been cause of Travis Scott's responsibility in all of this because he's been said to incite crowds a lot and encourage sort of moshing and dangerous behaviour. And I think he encouraged some fan to jump from a balcony a number of years ago and they were paralysed. So there's a number of like awful situations that he's been aligned with I guess so this podcast was very much laying the blame at Travis Scott's feet of and I think I definitely think certain things are his responsibility in terms of like the numbers of tickets you sell the amount of um, medical staff you have and their proficiency and those sorts of things are his responsibility but I was also wondering about because a lot of people have um, shown him not stopping the show basically, and saying that him not stopping the show is the reason that so many people died, and it is that the show wasn't stopped. Is a reason why so many people died, and they've layered that against other artists who have stopped the show when they've seen um, people fainting or whatever. But I was just wondering about like stage managers is there not like who, why Why is the artist responsible for stopping the show? Is there not like some, like if you were in a play, the actors themselves aren't responsible for stopping the show, like there's a manager or a director, a stage manager or a director that would like say actually guys stop the show like this needs to happen or do you know what I mean that that I kind of have this feeling that surely surely there should be some sort of like production manager that is in charge of things like that and stopping the show and making sure that everyone's safe like I I don't know I just it seems like the artist should be responsible for the performance
1: I guess from a Theater perspective, the stage manager would be watching from the wings and so would be aware of all things technical and all things that they could see on the stage. Yeah. And then you'd have like the front of house staff and the ushers who are responsible for seeing what was happening in the audience. Yeah. But then I guess the performer is the only person that kind of has access to both of those views. Oh, I see. And probably would see things first. So, whilst it shouldn't be their yeah. job, if someone stood up in an auditorium and started to crawl on the front of the stage, the actor's going to be the person in that exact moment who, yeah the artist if it's a singer who will see it and be able to react first so i guess maybe it shouldn't be and it isn't their responsibility but it naturally they are like the first responder yeah i just feel like there
0: should be there should be measures in place surely that that so someone can alert the artist properly about what's going on there should be if this is a common thing which it seems to be of people dying at concerts then surely there should be like You stick someone in a balcony above the stage or whatever, and they are responsible for checking, like, the crowd and making sure that everyone's standing up. And I don't know. I'm not sure. But yeah, really tragic. But yeah, it was a really interesting podcast just sort of explaining what was going on with that. Because, I mean, the videos are awful. Don't look them up because it's just there's the people climbing up the the ladders where the cameramen are standing telling the cameramen that someone's died in the crowd mm. and the cameramen are just ignoring them and it's just like really tragic to see the level to which and there's the crowds are chanting stop the show stop the show stop the show and it's just like really awful to here and the, i think the performance went on like 40 minutes after people started yelling stop the show God. i know yeah and but that that uh, podcast explains a little more about that But they also on a lighter note on a different episode um, introduced me to a YouTube show called The Chicken Shop Date which is very charming and very funny. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> Where this woman called Amelia takes very famous artists um, music artists on dates <laughs> to like a chicken shop and so she's like sitting down with like Huge artists like Phineas, um, and her main objective is to kind of be as awkward as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just very funny to watch her be like, Yeah, but why? Like, I don't get it. Okay, well, fine. All right. <laughs> it's just really funny. Mm,
1: sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching. Um a new-ish BBC drama. I think mm. they've all come out now, or at least five, maybe six have, and I've only watched about three of the episodes. But it's on BBC One, and it's called Show Trial. Oh, I think mm. we were killing time before we were watching Succession, which is so mm-hmm. good. Oh, my God. So good. Um, and it was just on, and actually we're like, oh, that looks quite good. It happened to be the first episode, so we're like, we'll give it a watch. And the main reason I'm continuing to watch it is because it's set very... Definitely, and with a lot of detail, exactly where I lived in Bristol. I oh, really. Like- it's literally completely set around the harbour side, my route to work, the little mm-hmm. like cafes I would go to, like so exclusively Bristol. And it's obviously the story set in Bristol, but it's quite unusual, I think, for like location scouts to exclusively use the named location. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a scene that's like in a swimming pool and it's the Lido in Clifton. And you're like, it could, you could use any swimming pool or any cafe for that. And they've really specifically Made it so Bristol based, it's really interesting. Um, but it's just so weird being like, Oh, that's behind our house, or oh, that's the pub, and all of these things. Actually, quite depressingly, it is um, where they pulled the uh, the murdered body out of the water is actually where me and Sam got engaged, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, like, Oh, happy man. times. Um, yeah, yes yeah, so spoiler, it's about a murder. Um, it doesn't start about murder, it starts sadly about a woman who's gone missing. Mm-hmm. Um, a student, university student, and they then sadly in episode two maybe or the end of episode one find her body. And so it's an investigation into her her disappearance and her murder, or her death we should say. And they are mostly investigating um, a really interesting character called Talitha. And she's presented as this kind of... Yeah, it is a good name. She's such a fascinating character. She's very, very well acted. I wish I knew the actress's name. Um, But she's kind of this very stereotypical, I guess, Rich bitch and university, kind of that kind of person, very so typically. And um, Hannah, who is the victim, was like this kind of opposite, very working class, brilliant student, had no assistance in getting to where she is. And Talith is kind of more of this like Oxbridge reject finding her solace with being at Bristol Uni instead. So they're kind of pitted against each other in this way as, you know, when they start interviewing Talitha, the police are like, did you resent the fact that she's kind of acing all the, all the classes you're failing and she's never had a tutor and you've got a seven type thing. So, And she is this, Talitha is this kind of fundamentally unlikable character like she's really awful. But there's also something about her that makes me think there's more to her. It's a very interesting dynamic and there's kind of a, a vulnerability, I guess. She's kind of maybe carrying something that we're going to find out and you can't help Mm. but I don't know I really hate her but I also don't think she's lying (laughs) like (laughs) it's very interesting so the reason she's kind of called into question in the whole thing is because there's these texts between her and Hannah where she's threatening her and saying some pretty awful Mm. things and then there's this kind of you know the web unfolds as to how they're connected and mm. there's a lot of mitigating circumstances and she's very much looking like in the hot seat but i'm only on episodes three or four i think and yeah the more people are coming into it but mm. it's just that it's mostly her character that i think and the fact is in bristol that that i've kept watching it it's not you know like the best mm. crime drama in the world it's not getting like millions and millions of bums on seats every week but it's certainly very mm. much got a hook and i think it is in this character dynamic it's really interesting so yeah i think if you you're looking for a, a good little tasty drama show trial is is up there Ooh. there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of class investigation in it I think in that more of the characters now that are being sort of implicated have very like powerful families so mm. Talitha is from like a very wealthy family her father's some millionaire and I think one of the guys that's connected his mother is like in the shadow cabinet or something so just having to resign and all sorts mm. so like it's an interesting exploration into that side of power dynamics when it comes to the law. it's a good little watch I enjoyed it well thanks for the recommendation It it sort of reminds
0: me of but it's sort of not relevant too i was thinking about succession and the fact that we've now set up our patreon which we're so excited about so we set up our patreon with our book club one of our tiers in our patreon is the book club but the lower tier is extra content and some of the extra content is going to be deep dives into various things that um, Rhiannon and I are separately interested in. So I've lined up um, a pal to talk about Shadow and Bone, which obviously I have a massive crush on and she does too. And we're going to go so hard (laughs) into that and I've lined up an expert on Dune and I'm very excited for all the content that's going to get your nerd on I'm going to get my nerd on and (laughs) And you might get your nerd on with Succession I don't know absolutely (laughs) Um, but yeah just really excited to share with you some like side content that's like not our normal thing but it's just where we can go really hard into one particular subject and yeah we're going to so
1: watch this space our Patreon is going to be buzzing with with content so very quickly to explain what patreon is in case you've never heard of patreon before i hadn't heard of patreon until quite recently um and i've just started following a few artists on there patreon is a website platform um which is basically a really wonderful way for audiences to support artists and creators whose work they enjoy and for creators and artists to share more work back basically um, so if there's someone whose work you're really enjoying you can support them via patreon and that increases their platform and means they can kind of give you more content um, so our patreon as alex is mentioning is going to have loads of tasty little extra morsels extra content we're going to do some interviews loads of different things um, our weekly podcast will stay exactly the same and it will be appear to you on the same platforms that you currently listen to it on and it will continue to be totally free. Um, you can join it at different levels ranging from three pounds to six pounds um, with a variety of different things going on in those little brackets. And hopefully it's just a really wonderful way for you to help us keep on going if you're enjoying the podcast and get more funking in your life if you need it. Um, there's absolutely no pressure to at all. If you just want to keep us once a week, we, we accept that. That's fine. That's enough for anyone, to be honest. Um, but someone described it to me in a really good way recently by saying, when they were explaining what Patreon is, in that if, for example, you're listening to a podcast on your commute, and when you get your commute, you're all, you pick up your morning coffee basically imagine that once every four listens, we're there with you and you buy us a coffee. And that's that's basically all that three pounds a month is. It's like once every four listens and it basically just helps us stay afloat It helps us grow and helps us keep going so it's and mostly for us it's a like Alex was saying it's a really fun way to get more targeted specific content out there respond to what you guys like if there's particular things you want more of it's another way to sort of build that community which um, we're absolutely loving so yeah check it out it's in our Instagram bio link tree and if you're not on Instagram we'll email you or you email us and we'll find you somehow And our book club, which we held last week,
0: was it? Yeah, last Friday. Last Friday was so much fun. And it was such a pleasure to meet so many... (laughs) wonderful listeners and it was just an amazing conversation I was really struck by just so many interesting points so many people have read the book I was
1: couldn't believe it I was really touched by that it was really oh it was so lovely and like it really it was, was. Yeah, there's so many of us which was so nice because yeah you never know if it's gonna literally just be no. us two
0: <laughs> I know I thought I really kind of was expecting it to bomb and it didn't and it was so lovely and I've Woo-hoo! i've since signed up for another a number of other online book clubs just to like see what everyone else is doing because it looks really fun um one of which is the lady literacy book club which they um they are based in America and they send out books each month related to their book club. But they've then got a forum, so if you can sign up to their website, they just have a forum where where everyone's reading the same book and everyone's just chatting away about um, the book that is that month's book read. Which I think is just a really fun way of doing it. I guess it's probably the same as like Reddit or something, but mm. with a smaller community. But anyway, I'm just so excited about our next book club and I'm so excited about the Patreon in general. I just feel like it's really cool to be doing these different things with our community, like bringing together deeper dives into nerdy stuff and be doing the book club and meeting people in person and chatting. And yeah, just really, really exciting new step for us, I think. Absolutely. So we'll be deciding next book club's book, I suppose, because this is the last episode of the series on Instagram. But we'll email everyone that came to our last book club. Yeah,
1: get in touch. I'm loving the poll at the moment where people are just popping in their book suggestions. It's such a great variety.
0: Oh, they're great, aren't they? I know, they're such a... Random selection, not random, but there's just a very broad selection of different books that would I would never it would never occur to me to read. So I'm delighted because that's what it's about, isn't it? New
1: books, exactly, exactly. New blood, yeah. new blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have you been reading, anyway? Speaking of books, new books. Give me your latest. Oh my god, <laughs>
0: you're gonna hate this. Oh no, <laughs> sorry <laughs> been in Reading this really horny book. <laughs> a horny or haunted horny oh, um okay. <laughs> it's a very horny high fantasy book <laughs> My Which I dream. Yeah, I'd seen a lot of Instagram, and I don't. I I'm beginning to learn that actually quite a lot of bookstagram things are just like very horny, very smutty books, and not. I keep on thinking if loads of people are recommending it, it must be really like highbrow and profound, and then they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. really not. But <laughs> I, I <laughs> delved into this one and delved right through to the end. Um, it's basically like a horny Beauty and the Beast retelling with and then it's, it's sort of it's beauty and the beast and then there's another sort of fairy tale and i can't remember the name of the fairy tale but one with that features a prince and needs to be turned back into a prince and there's like three evil tasks to uh, perform and then there's fairies and horniness and i'm never quite sure that in these sorts of like books fairies are like humans but they're just like much more kinky <laughs> are they life-sized or are they tiny yeah no they're like life-sized humans that are like slightly more into murdering stuff and like slightly more kinky and a bit magic so not tinkerbell no well she's pretty kinky Kink- kinkerbell more <laughs> like Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> take a bow thank you very much thank you very much um but yeah no I just I really enjoyed it um I wouldn't really recommend it I don't think but um (laughs) it's just one of those things I wish I'd discovered them because I feel like younger me would have really 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 enjoyed them and I'm enjoying them now but I think like with that side of cynicism where where like I know what a healthy relationship looks like and like love triangles don't quite do it for me anymore and like Mm. um and that kind of like push and pull of like does he love me i don't know maybe and you're like oh fuck it just tell each other you love each other it's like so boring to have you do this back and forth but i think i'm just like old and cynical and like been in a relationship for too long <laughs> edging that's what it's called there's a word for it when a novel just like edges along a romance and like doesn't actually they just keep on like being like will they won't they will they won't they and you're like of course okay. they will at the end but just like make it happen <laughs> yeah oh um, nice to know there's a word for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that has other connotations as well, but um that's my naive interpretation of it. <laughs> so, yes, I've ordered um to my library account the next two books in this series so i will keep you updated
1: as to do you know who i might interview for the patreon is your librarian are you gonna interview her i might interview your librarian yeah do it why not and say like describe alex to me through her library requests who is (laughs) alex and i would just love to see the kind of character profile she comes up with for you Based on your book I know. Choices. Yeah,
0: because I'm almost so embarrassed by... Because the amazing thing about the library is I feel like I haven't dived into so many... As many fantasy series as I would like because they're like... There's always like nine books in the series and each book costs like, what, nine quid or something. So I've never gone down that route because i just like can't be bothered to spend that money but now that it's and and, like i read them in a couple of hours or something and then i don't read them again and it just seems like a very pointless endeavor but now that they're free i'm just like ah fuck it why not i might as well just like read this thing that i wouldn't otherwise read so i feel like i've gone far more down that like strange fantasy world that i would ever normally and i'm kind of loving it i for one i'm thrilled yeah yeah you are (laughs) but yeah i'd be so interested to hear that interview actually i wonder what what she thinks of my books choices because they must be all over the place and also because i just like pop down at various times in the day just to like have a chat when i'm (laughs) when i'm stuck writing or something i just like pop down to have a chat so she must like see me in the weirdest like moods and like weirdest outfits where i'm just like
1: in the house in my onesie (laughs) Trying to eke words out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a very dreamy little image I have of you in the librarian like having a cup of tea mm. talking about horny fairies. It's really nice. I know. I know. She came around for lunch the
0: other day and I served her a very weird mushroom soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good I love it
1: well I've been reading fantastic book which I kind of raced through the last few chapters desperate to finish it before we spoke today um, and now miss it already it's just been oh I've read it really fast for me and it's really emotional so I'm a bit like I don't know what my thoughts are Mm -hmm. about this book so excuse my lack of clarity but it's just so great so I've read The Fortune Men Mm -hmm. um, by Nadifa Mohammed and it was was long listed and then i think short no definitely shortlisted for the booker prize I don't know if that's been announced yet. Has that been won? I lose track. Ooh, I look at the list. I've
0: not been paying attention. And then I do. I saw it it last year and was like quite on it last year. And then this year I was like, and that's me done for the
1: next five years. Yeah. I think I literally ordered this because I looked at the shortlist and was like, wow, I've read none of those books and not even heard of them. So I've ordered Ah. this and a couple of others. Um, Bad book reviewers. Bad bookers. Yes. (laughs) But uh, The Fortune Men is. A fantastic read. It's yeah. so, so brilliant. Uh-huh. It also really is the main character is a man mm-hmm. and for me it had a real masculine voice. Like it was mm-hmm. it felt like a man writing a man to me and the front mm-hmm. cover has got a picture of this man, so I guess it was just very like man in my head. Yeah. And halfway through I sort of like saw the dust jacket and was like oh it and saw the bio of the author and was like oh it's written by a woman and i just think she's done such a brilliant job of creating these very specific moments of gender in the book Mm. um anyway back to the beginning so Mm. again another reveal that i only found out at the end is that it's actually based on real events. It's the reimagining of the story of the wrongful imprisonment and sentencing of Mahmoud Matan, Mm. um, who was a Somali seaman and father of three young boys, um, had quite a tumultuous relationship with his wife. They were kind of in a difficult place when all this happened. And his sentencing and his story was one of the last cases of which the death penalty was a possibility in um, Cardiff Prison. I'm trying desperately not to say what happened or not because the whole book literally, excuse the pun, hangs in the balance of what happens to him or not. Um, But it's basically a really quite famous case and so basically it's sent yeah centers around this this wonderful character Mm. Mahmoud uh, Matan and his name and lots of the names stay the same except for the victim who was a Jewish woman who's murdered seemingly in the story out of the blue you know she has no enemies she's not embroiled in any rows there's no animosity going on she's living a very Mm. simple life with her sisters and her throat is slit in the shop that she works in as she's closing up one night and it's a really gruesome murder and Mahmood comes under fire Mm. with no hard evidence or reasoning. Um, apart from the fact that he's kind of in the area, he's Somali, as are so many people. It's set in Tiger Bay in Cardiff, where there's, it's set in the 1940s and 50s. Sorry, I should have said that at the beginning. Um, when there was a really strong Somali and West Indian fisherman, seaman, soldier population um, who came under a huge amount of prejudice. And Mahmood was known as the ghost because he was known to kind of move silently around Trying not to be seen, mostly from a place of constantly being under fire for just his race and, and being racially attacked. So he kind of lurks, removes himself from the kind of current conversation and keeps his head down. Having said that, he is he has been involved in petty crime and theft and things like that when he's low on money and he's resenting the world and he wants to fight back in his own little resilient way, If you know. There's only so many times you can be tutted at by an old lady in the street just for the colour of your skin before eventually you pinch something from her handbag is kind of the way he puts it. Um, So he is known... Sorry, this is all the the story now. So I don't know the details of how much of this reimagining is accurate. So when I'm talking about Mahmood, this is not um, necessarily his genuine character description, but in the story, this is what we know. So he is known to the police and this kind of mild reputation that he carries is all that they need to kind of put him there and accuse him and drag him into this massive, awful case. And the reputation that he has, this negative reputation he has with the police and the area is just massively magnified simply due to the colour of his skin and his background and his faith as a Muslim. And the family, who are also lovely, and we hear their story, the of the Jewish woman who is murdered and her sisters. We, we know you really get to know their story as well. And through a point of desperation and complete lack of sense as to how this could have happened to their wonderful sister... They put a reward out for £200 to for any information that leads to a conviction. And so as soon as the spotlight is even pointed vaguely at Mahmood, mm. so many witnesses come forward to get their hands on the money, claiming they saw him in the area, claiming he's had a knife before, claiming all sorts of things. And so this mountain of fabricated evidence, in inverted commas, witnesses, mm. comes uh, comes onto him in in a huge like barrage and mm. he just remains fairly like this is awful i hate that i'm in prison it you know i'm not mm. nothing's going to happen to me because i'm completely innocent and you just slowly watch this man's complete belief in the truth and god and protection of justice being chipped away by prejudices of the time an awful legal system lack of yeah. like empowerment over your own case all of these things and there's you know so much more to the story than that you have his in this really amazing interesting family dynamic with his children um there's so much of a interesting exploration of his heritage and how he came to cardiff why he came to cardiff his work on the seas his somalian heritage and his marriage to Laura who's a a white Welsh woman and you know how she was treated in the 1940s 1950s for marrying him and the way their children are treated and all of these things that when I got to the end of the book and realized this was a real story based on a real story it was just yeah huge huge kind of hugely fascinating to know this captivating story it was sadly coming from a place of truth and it was very interesting for me as well i think to you often read that kind of i guess to kill a mockingbird esque storyline with a very American lens, yes, and actually to have it set in Cardiff and all these and being from like quite near the border of South Wales and spending a lot of time in that area, just so many place names that I I know so well. Hearing them in the context of the forties and fifties in this place of like tumultuous racial divide was so weird and Mm. confronting to me. And and thinking about this man married to a a Welshman and the beautiful way the author writes with language and you know she includes his. His, his Somali tongue and him praying mm. in Arabic and then the words he tries to encourage his Welsh children to use to call him father in Arabic and things like this and it's just such an interesting mashup I guess that I've never read or watched or, or thought about before mm. so I think from a cultural perspective it really kind of intrigued me and and taught me a lot mostly but it's just such a brilliant book she's such a fantastic writer just totally mm. superb storytelling in its simplest it's not simple but my simple description yeah. of it would just be superb storytelling it's just really gorgeous description I can't remember what it mm. was that made us talk about this recently it might have been in the book club actually when we were talking about the use of description versus or maybe it was with Susan it was with Susan in our last episode Susan Ferber and she was talking about how she as a writer felt like you know had a bit of imposter syndrome because that's never been her bag before to have reams and reams of like complex description and she's more about the dialogue and things and actually this Mm. book had the perfect balance for me it had gorgeous juicy detail and description that never felt too flowery and surface level and i didn't i never wanted to rush through it it just was painting the picture that bit brighter and it was really well balanced and very kind of gripping description it was story-based description I guess Um, and she also did a really great job of weaving the past and the present we did find out loads about his backstory um, Mahmood's backstory and his childhood but it wasn't like here's a flashback or here's a memory it wasn't two timelines it just sort of had this really clever meandering down a path to find out more about his past and then it would sort of meander back to the present once we felt informed enough to move on. It was just very, very neat. I can totally see why it's on a Literary Book Prize Award because, yeah, it's it was just such a, such a great read. So that's called The Fortune Men. It's written by an amazing author called Nadifa Mohammed. Yeah,
0: God, that sounds amazing. Oh, so many threads that you were talking about. That's, I sort of, you filled my brain. That's amazing. Oh, well, okay. Quick fire round of questions I
1: need to ask you. Hit me. Do you wash your hot water bottle case? Uh, no. Well, I use it like once every two years. Wait, oh, okay. hang on. You're talking about the fluffy bit? Yeah. Um, I have a very simple hot water bottle. that's just a rubber one. I don't have a fluffy case for it. Uh, okay. Because I'm a peasant, clearly.
0: No, I just. Um, yes, you are a peasant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I I just. <laughs> i know what i'm getting for christmas yeah, i suddenly realized that theoretically i should be washing
1: them but then like do you wash your slippers occasionally i hate to admit but i have quite cheesy feet you know for someone that doesn't sweat that much mm-hmm. i have a cheesy feet because sometimes i just look at my i get my slippers come near me and i'm like wow the pong is real yeah, so these nice. current slippers are really nice ones that my mom got me for christmas last year and they're like mm-hmm. Sheepskinny and suede, and have got a proper rubber sole on them. Oh my god, yeah. Send you a picture. So I don't think I can put these in the wash. No. So they just, it it never occurred
0: to me to wash them, but then I just, just like,
1: actually i wonder whether
0: (laughs) i should wash
1: things more okay good good to know where we are where we are i do i do only ever wear socks though with my slippers yes yes so that makes me feel like they're a little bit less stinky well not stinky but dirty (laughs) but then like a hot water bottle i would
0: have in bed and i guess without socks um, <laughs> but then, like, I just had a vision of you with know. socks
1: on your hands holding your hot water bottle <laughs> <laughs> well no because the hot water bottle goes down by your feet right <laughs> oh does it oh I, would, I only get doesn't a, it? well I only ever get a hot water bottle out um, if I've got really bad period pains and sort of just cuddle it on the womb uh, oh yes okay yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, for socks on your room <laughs> so when you're saying socks.
0: Yeah, the vision was weird. Uh, yeah, no, I um I use it because I get too cold in the house. Um, because our house is freezing. Um, okay, good to know. And
1: taylor swift's new album where are we on that yes haven't listened to loads of it the stuff i have listened to i Mm. like have listened to the 10 minute song yeah purely because one of the students i was giving a listen lift to was like let's listen to it um and then they were telling me that it's a short film yeah which i feel like i should have watched as i was listening to it because all i was thinking was this is such a long song (laughs) and now i know it's a short film yeah i'm like that makes more sense yeah i'm loving it i love that she's doing it as a thing i just love everything about it and yeah big fan
0: yeah i've never been a huge swifty but i just i'm loving the fact that she's taking control of her life and her records mm. and stuff in this way and i love again it's back to the Billie eilish thing but i love the concept of going so anti the tradition of pop and um, requirements of like you make a song that fits the radio schedule rather than making a song for what it, the song needs
1: to be. And if the song needs to be 10 minutes,
0: do it. And I love that she is.
1: Yeah. Um, so. And I think it's so brave to mm. go, I'm going to re-release songs that people have been loving yeah. for like five years. Yeah. And they're going to be more successful. I think the stats were incredible when she... The re-release of it. Yeah, so she broke two Spotify records in one day with the release of Red, Taylor's version. Um, one of them was, it was the record for the most streamed album in a day by a female artist in Spotify's history. Oh, wow. Um, it was ni- 90.8 million streams in one day, day one, even like the first day. <laughs> um, wow. And interestingly, actually, the previous record holder for that was also her with Folklore wow. in 2020. um uh, which actually I've never not listened to that mm, at all. I've, I've, yeah. And I'm wondering if I re- I think you'd like it. There's some really lovely songs on there. It's definitely more my vibe of her stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the other one was um, she broke the record for the most streamed female in a single day in Spotify history. So that was like just her as an artist. She was streamed 122 million times wow. or streams on the Friday. Gosh. So basically, it's kind yeah, it does blow my mind that she's, she's re-released stuff we already know and people she's just got such a dedicated fan base
0: yeah and i love that 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 dedicated fan base i mean sorry not to make this comparison but (laughs) that i feel like that she's now doing it for them if that makes sense Mm. she's now made this 10 minute song she knows that fan base love the original song that was three minutes or whatever and that she's now doing the full length version for them and it almost feels like the patreon thing you oh. know and she knows what the her audience want and she's giving more to them and it's what's the word the garnering of new fans isn't a priority for her she's just being so true to herself but inadvertently gathering so many more fans along the way so and i just true. think that's just such she's a she's like it's
1: like a reward for all of those people who have loved and supported her yeah that's so such yeah, a good yeah, way yeah. of putting it yeah she keeps on dropping
0: easter eggs in for the mm. people that really love her work yes i just think that's really a wonderful way to to be with your fans yeah
1: oh that's so true oh taylor she's great have you ever watched her 73 questions with vogue you know i haven't i don't think i have no it's very good she's a good one some of them i find just the most awful stilter things in the world i think oh someone really good did one recently and it's really bad well that's not very nice of me so i don't have to remember Lim Lim gallagher <laughs> No. have you seen the liam gallagher one no i think i've seen bits of it that have been made into a meme oh god i know whose it was this is awful it was adele's oh it's awful it was really well, sh- stilted but i guess she's oh, really not an actress so i wouldn't expect it to be i just hold everyone's against emily blunts which is just the best bit of interviewing i've ever seen in my life like she's just so oh. i guess her personality is so perfectly yeah. Um, it's just right for that format. So she does it so well. And I think uh, she's probably the first one I watched. Uh-huh. And then anyone else's I've seen has been like, eh, that sounds rehearsed. Bad comparison. <laughs> Adele's was interesting in the <laughs> oh. things she said, but it just was very rehearsed, which I, I guess is what it is. So it's fine. Anyway, mm. we digress. Taylor's is also great. How many times do you think they do rehearse it? Oh, I reckon so because many. Because Liam
0: Gallagher's one. Have you seen Liam Gallagher's one? No, not in no, full. No, you've seen clips of it. Because that's the best fucking thing, thing in the world. Honestly, it's <laughs> really? so... Yeah, he's just like him wandering around Hampstead Heath and just everything about it is just iconic where he's like walking around in his Mac and he gets asked like what his favourite songs are and he lists like a bunch of his songs and then there's like a couple of questions where, where he, uh there's a couple of questions where he like can't think of an answer and then like comes out with something really bland after like quite a long pause and you're like, surely this thing is really rehearsed and then, yeah, why are you winging this? Yeah, it? and then the one thing that like struck me and I'm going to, say it wrong because like it was such a long time that I watched it was like the one thing that he regretted in life was like that his children were better at digesting things than he was or something. <laughs> it was like the weirdest interview I've ever heard. And oh. it just so iconically him, but like for yeah. something that generally is so rehearsed and so sort of constructed. It was so that his It was it was like he had just been like thrown into this interview situation. He had no idea what was going on and was just like sort of down for it. But
1: (laughs) yeah that's hilarious yeah. of course he had to though like if it is a classic rehearsed thing of course his had to be like off the wall uh, and yeah, not at all in that vein yeah. the other one that I love um, Emma Stone's is really nice mm. very lovely and sweet that's another good one mm-hmm. I do often just if I'm in a bit of a lull I'll just like search for some I think Reese Witherspoon's was a good one as well there's just lots of people it's very it's just a very interesting format yeah um, Have you ever
0: watched the, sorry, this is a real, we're really digressing now. (laughs) It's going to be a very long podcast. Um, Have you ever watched the Architectural
1: Digest's tours of celebrities' houses? (gasps) No, but I don't know what I've been doing with my life. That sounds fabulous.
0: (laughs) It really is. It's so peculiar to watch the priorities that different people place in their lives and what some people are all about like friends so they have like huge areas dedicated to friends and others are more about like work and relaxation and calm away from the storm and they have these very sort of mm, houses it's a really interesting peek into the lives of the celebrities, I guess.
1: Mm. Oh, I'm so nosy about houses. That's great. Yeah. i to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Cara Beans is the weirdest house I've ever seen. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. She's got like a vagina hole between like one wall and another. Oh, like She's like made this whole tunnel through her house through the walls which is like padded and vaginary and you know and you're like this is like full-on cray that is intense (laughs) a
1: birth canal just to crawl around and if you feel like you're having a bad day
0: well it makes sense i'd love one of those
1: (laughs) with your hot water bottle
0: you'd be fine i know in my filthy hot water bottles
1: That's it for season three. I can't believe it. It's been, uh, I don't even know when we started this season, in the summer, just the end of the summer, August. Yeah. It feels like a very different time to it does. now. A there's lot a really... of time has been charted and weather. Yes. But the weather has changed. I know. It's if you actually me...
0: scroll through our Instagram, there's a, like a genuine season change that you can see in our Instagram posts. I noticed the other day and as it from this like high summer heat to...
1: Winter and gloom. It's it's quite peculiar. Yes, and I actually wondered if I'd ruin that slightly because <laughs> yes. I had taken a photo. Do you know what I'm going to say? Yes. i had taken a photo of Little Fires Everywhere mm. when it was like the height of the heat wave in July ah, because I was ah. at home. Yes. I, re- I hadn't read it yet, but I was at home and it was just oh. lying there with a load of other books. Yeah. And it was literally next to those like burning orange lilies and they yeah. look wonderful and i was like oh i'm gonna be artsy oh i tell you what it was it's when i was prancing around in the wildflowers trying to get a good picture of sunset by jesse cave uh, and i was like whilst i'm at it and it's a nice day i'm gonna get some more book pictures and uh, i took that and then i was so chuffed that i remembered it instead of taking a new dull picture but then i posted it and was like i'm posting it at you know the third of november at 8 no, p.m yes, so clearly so not
0: been taken <laughs> yeah because you've posted it and i was like god i can't believe those flowers are out and i can't believe the weather that rihanna's having and i really it really struck me (laughs) it hadn't occurred to me actually that you've been so organized and prepared but yes no it really struck me that you had
1: (laughs) that had such longevity in your flowers (laughs) there we go i'm just such green fingered you know so thank you so much for sticking with us this season and coming on board if you're new, Thunkers. Yeah. We have absolutely loved it. It just feels more and more exciting to be doing this every week. So thanks for giving us um, the space in your ears. We're going to be <laughs> off for a little while and then we'll be back, Bonnie and Bright, in January. Going to solve those January mm. blues for you. I've Just decided it already. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you're interested, there'll be lots more juicy things popping up on the Patreon between now and then. So if you miss us, you know where to find us. We've already got some author interviews and exclusive content up there so um come find us thank you so much for all your listening and for all your love we love you we're so excited to be
0: here and we're so excited to go on a break as well
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) see you soon Bye. Bye bye